I just wanted to share some of my journey into healing and some of the landmarks and some of the miracles that stood out to me personally in my journey and walk with the Lord. So yeah, so basically I grew up as a missionary and I left at 17 to find my own path. And I was kind of like a rule breaker. I wanted to do everything that I wasn't allowed to do. And I did that. But growing up, I actually, it was very easy for me to memorize. My dad was amazing at memorizing. And I, I learned scripture very, very easily. My mom, one of the, my earliest stories that I can remember, I was two years old and my mom was trying to teach Psalm 23 to my elder brother and sister. And they were having a bit of a harder time getting it. I mean, to just remembering it, you know, as sometimes older kids do. But I was so young and my mom said that she realized that I began to speak and say the whole chapter in a little in my little Mickey Mouse two-year-old voice. And she began to hear me speak things really, really fast. She was trying to figure out what I was saying. And then she realized I was quoting Psalm 23. So it was very evident to her that one, I had a love for the word. Two, it was very easy for me to memorize. And I think that, yeah, I just could say that from a young age, I definitely felt a kind of a separation and a call for the things of God. I remember that um, being a small child and looking at the other kids around, and I would always be in conversation with Jesus. And I would see all the young children playing with cards and just playing games. And I remember thinking, I wonder if they're, talking to the Lord as much as I am. You know, I just got the feeling that they weren't because kids love to play. Kids are natural. I mean, I have kids myself. But from a young age, I felt separated for, for, for Christ. And I really enjoyed a deep relationship with the Lord. And I believe that really held me up. And I knew that I was called for something specific. I didn't fully understand it, but as time went on, I began, began to understand it more and more. Okay, so... But then when I became a teenager, I was, I be, slowly but surely, I began to kind of like compromise on some solid beliefs I had as a small child. <laughs> and I began to want to touch and bite that candy apple that, you know, the bad things that looked so good. I began to want to know, I, I was a child to question a lot and I wanted to know why. And I also wanted to kind of like experiment and try new things. So I left when I was close to 18 years old and I moved in with my sister and I worked, I remember being on the bus. And at that time, even from the very first year out in the world, it was like Holy Spirit began to crack open the scriptures to me and explain to me what everything meant. So I almost felt like when I was kind of protected, I wasn't able to understand what the scripture meant because it was all kind of on one dimension. But I had to go out and eat that candy apple, understand what life was on the other side in order to truly understand what the scriptures meant. So God began to open up many scriptures to me. One, I saw how everyone was chasing money and, and I just knew that God had called me for something greater, you know. One time the Lord was revealing, cracking open the scripture to me of the story of Jacob and Esau in Genesis 25, 29 through 34, where if you know the story of these two twins that were also that were brothers, um, Esau was a tent man. Sorry, Esau was a, a hunter, and Jacob was a man of the tents. And 
so basically Jacob was more of the homebody and Esau liked to be out. He was the adventurer and, and, and the hunter. And one day Esau came from a long hunting trip and he was famished. He was really starving. So he said to Jacob, Jacob, hey, please just give me some of that stew you're making because Jacob was making stew. And, es and Jacob said, only if you sell me your birthright. And Esau said, well, what is my birthright worth to me right now? I'm starving, you know. So Esau traded his birthright for a bowl of stew. And the word says that thus he despised his birthright. So these are stories that I grew up with, you know, and I didn't really know what they meant. But Holy Spirit would crack open the word to me and, and show me in many different ways, like people all around you that, that grew up with God, that grew up in Christ, and it happens all over the world, in churches and denominations everywhere, as the second generation have to decide you know, it's a personal decision. And I felt God say, like, your spiritual inheritance is something so valuable. Don't sell it for a bowl of stew. You know, I felt God say, like, these things of the world, they seem to be appealing, but I have a greater call for you. And it's, 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 a, it's, deep, it's a deep inheritance, a grand inheritance. You cannot, don't trade it for the things of the world, you know. Like, I don't know how to explain it. He didn't explain it in words, but he just, dropped these revelations into my spirit when I was 18, 19. It was so powerful, you know. I don't know if you're a parent, if you're, you may be planting seeds of truth in your kid's life and you may not see any fruit of it, but John 12, 24 says, except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. And I felt God show me like, sometimes these seeds have to die before they bring forth fruit. You know, we just got these tulips that, that, that are meant to be transplanted so they have a bit of soil in them and they're, and they're, and they're packaged in these bunches. And my, mo my mom-in-law was saying to me, um, we have to let these die before we, we can transplant them. And I was thinking, oh, that's so weird. And that's how it is in life as well. Like, it's interesting that things have to die first. You know, in a sense, there were certain situations, I mean, certain times in my life where I experienced a death and resurrection. But those seeds that were in there, they didn't completely die, even though they appeared to be dead for some time. Sometimes with our children, we're, we're planting the truth in their heart and they don't seem to be responding in the way that maybe we would like. But let's not give up because the word says, when the time is right, they will germinate and bear much fruit. And that's what happened with me. Like, even though when I was a small child, I really loved the Lord and I walked very closely with Jesus and I loved the scripture and I was loved to read. I loved the word. Then when I became a teenager, I was starting to question a lot of things and I began to be like kind of rebellious and wanting to make my own decisions. And I I had a big mouth. And but it's like Joyce Meyer says, when you have a big mouth, you can surrender that mouth to the Lord, that mouth to the Lord, and God can do something with it. And that's what she said she did, and that's what I've done. But um yeah, so my, I know through those teenage years that I faced my parents, I gave my parents some grief. I know that I did because me and my mom struggled to get along through my teenage years. And my dad, you know, I was still somewhat, I still loved my dad. I also loved my mom, but me and my mom bumped heads a bit more. But um, I'm sure they didn't realize that the word seeds that were planted would germinate and bear much fruit. So I just want to encourage you if you have youngsters or and you're planting the word, just don't be deterred if you whether you see them 
receive it or not. Just trust that those seeds will bear much fruit because the word will never return void. If you listen to one of my other teachings called Praying the Word Over Your Children, the Silver Bullet, I just want to encourage you to keep praying the word, keep speaking the word because those seeds will germinate one day and bear much fruit. So that's what was happening in me with all these words he's planted. And then when I was 18, 19, I would be living my life seeming to not regard any of, of the, you know, of my parents, of the inheritance that my parents gave to me and, and they're building me up in the word. But those seeds were planted and they began. Holy Spirit had something to work with. It's like Steve Backlund always says, give God something to work with. So continue to be faithful upon the word in your children's life. You never know when they're going to germinate and bear much fruit. So anyway, back to my story. So I came to South Africa in 2003. I was experiencing a great resistance. I fasted and prayed for a week. I went into an open vision and a worship night. Okay, I'm making this sound very light. It obviously was very intense, but I don't have much time. So I'm just going to share what I can quickly. So in that open vision, I saw that I was in the passenger seat of a car and that the car glass was a windshield screen. The windscreen was um, all foggy. Then the fog started to lift. As the fog started to lift, I came out of the vision. And I knew God was saying, this fog that's been clogging your vision is clearing up your healed. I shared it with the people at the worship. I knew that I was healed and I was healed. So that was a massive, that was a, a landmark for me. And a time where God came powerfully to, to fight for me and heal me from a massive resistance that was coming up against me, my life and coming up against my call. So slightly before this, backtrack a few years, Danny was two. just wanted to share how God healed her of TB meningitis. So she was diagnosed when she was two years old of TB meningitis. This was part of the Great Resistance. And so the doctors diagnosed her with that. They gave her all this adult's medication. Don't ask me why. We were in Africa. They didn't give me medicine for kids. So it was very hard for her body to handle that. So she wound up vomiting this this medication every day but the doctors would tell me look this medication is very specific you have to give it to her every day if she misses one day you're gonna to have to start a day one again so this was very demoralizing for us because we were trying to give her medicine every day and she her little body couldn't handle it so I began to really seek the Lord for a healing you know and I believe God sent a prophet along my way he was uh, this Nigerian uh, man that was anointed in healing he prayed for her he got a word for her and I really felt like a fiery passion in him to heal the sick. And this was before I, I didn't understand everything about healing at this time. But he prayed for her and he got a vision that angels were cleaning out her lungs. I didn't even tell him that what she had. He just knew she was sick. So, but after the, at the end of our meeting, I said, hey, well, what do I do? Shall I still keep giving her medicine? And he said, yeah, I do. So he didn't know, I guess. And he, I guess, didn't have the faith to say I, it wasn't his place, I suppose, to say, to tell me what to do. And, neither, and he didn't say it. So after that time, I was still continuing to seek the Lord. Like, God, my child needs healing. So, you know, I'm, I'm saying it just very simply, but obviously it was very difficult for us at that time. So I read somewhere there at that, during that time that the reason why people in Bible times saw more miracles was because they believed. And I thought, well, if that's all I'm missing, why don't I just believe? So I told everyone we were living in community. I told all the youth in our community, like, let's all stop praying for Danny's healing. Let's... For three days, I just want to ask everyone to thank God that she's been healed. We've, so we literally, we thanked God and praised God loudly, all together, unitedly for her to be healed. That she was already healed for three days. And at the end of her three days, 
I got her retested at the doctor and she was completely healed. So that was another landmark for me. I thought, wow, she got Danielle, our little girl, got healed of TB meningitis. We dumped all her medication in the toilet and she would share it with pe to people, wow, Jesus healed me, Jesus healed me. And it was just so powerful. So that was a powerful healing. My breakthrough where I, that I just shared with you above before that was a powerful healing testimony about how God delivered me from serious resistance and demonic attack that was coming up against me because of my call. So those were two really powerful stories and landmarks for me. So after I got that breakthrough, I went through many years of just being joyful. It doesn't mean I didn't go through anything, but it means like primarily my main emotion was joy. Just I went through a real peaceful time. I was praying a lot for my husband to come and I was just too joyful to fast. For many years, I was just way too joyful to fast. But so as I, but I was pouring myself deeper and deeper into the things of what I was consecrating myself more and more into the things of Christ. And I was also praying to go to the nations. I just felt like, God, if you called me to serve you, I want to do it effectively. I, I don't want to do it haphazardly or I don't want to waste any more time because I felt that I already wasted too many years. So the word says in Joel 2.17, Two seventeen, and it come and it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. And when I would read that, I was just like, okay, God, it says like in the last days you pour out your spirit, but we don't only want to wait till the end time to see your your spirit being poured out. We also want your spirit poured out now. So just show us these things that are in the Word all throughout. The New Testament, you see stories of Jesus and the disciples healing people. And we wanted to experience that. So we we're like, God, we want to experience these things now. So I was going through a deep journey with Jesus saying, God, I need, I want to experience the more of you now. We need the power of God, you know. We need people all, all around us are sick and need healing, and we need healing too in a lot many areas of our lives. There's not one person that doesn't need healing in a certain area. And we were just longing, excuse me, to see more of the signs and wonders that the Bible and the New Testament and the New Covenant talks about. So someone actually had given me this healing video of a healing evangelist on TV, Healing the Sick. So it was a very just simple video and he was just talking about how it's teaching us about our authority. When we lay hands on the sick, we command the sickness to leave. And then it doesn't have to be a long prayer because, you know, it's about Jesus, not about us. He is doing the healing, we just lay our hands. And then after we're done praying for them very quickly, we ask them to do what they couldn't do. And we pray as many times as it takes until they're healed. So I thought, okay, cool. Wow, well, that's simple enough. Why can't I do that? So around this time, we were having a Sunday meeting at our house and like a fellowship. And a drunk man rang the bell and came to the gate. I opened the gate and this guy was asking for food. So I, I, I got him some bags of food and as I came to give them to him he dropped them and I forgot to say his arms were twisted in one shoulder was higher than the other and he was completely skew and he obviously couldn't carry it but I was you know he had asked for food so I wanted to give him food so he dropped the food and I said okay I remember this teaching said not I'll pray for you later but can I pray for you now so I asked him can I pray for you he said yes so I laid my hands on him as I did my hands began to vibrate very aggressively should I say and his body began to vibrate he fell to the ground three times so I, I just did exactly what the teaching told me to do it said lay hand you lay your hands on him pray a prayer when you're done ask him to do what he couldn't do then do it again do it again so I did it three times every time he was able to move his shoulders more and unlock his arms 
more. And by the time that I, I prayed the last time, he was his arms completely um, loosened and unlocked, and he was able to move his hands freely. He was able to pick up his bags. He was praising the Lord as he walked down the street shouting hallelujah. And I was like, whoa. It really felt like he was filled with the Holy Ghost as I was praying for him because he was shouting hallelujah, and I could see the Spirit was touching him and moving in him and healing him as well of whatever sickness was causing his body to contort the way it did and twist up. So God unlocked that man's body. He met that drunk man on a Sunday and healed him radically. That was another healing landmark. After that time, I remember walking in the house and saying, whoa, God, what was that? I wasn't like any better today than I usually am. Like, I know it's not because of me. Show me why you healed that man radically and like, whoa, what's what's going on? What I prayed about it and I felt God just say something so simple. He said, I want you to pray for every sick person you see. So around that time, I started praying for every sick person I saw. I mean, at that time, I did start praying for every sick person I saw. Around that time was a time that God brought myself and Chris together. So I'll just share you with you very quick some background history. In 2004, one year after I came back to Africa, came to Africa, sorry, not back to, um, I met Chris ministering with another lady, a friend of mine. And I shared my testimony as that I just got back, just came to serve the Lord in Africa, and we had a wonderful time with him and his mom. I shared my testimony. He gave me his card with his picture. I came home, and I said, hey, I met my future husband today. You know, if you guys know my husband, he's a very beautiful man. And yeah, God gave him to me as a gift. He gave us to each other. I praise God for that because I was praying for a husband that could serve the Lord with me and would run with me for the gospel, for the things of God. So six years went by. So I prayed after I came home that night and after those, you know, the jokes with the girl saying, hey, I'm a future husband today. But I did, I got on my knees after that and I prayed. I said, God, this is the guy that I want for my husband. This is the guy that I choose. I got up from the lo- from the ground. There was no lightning bolts, but six years passed. I didn't see him again, although we kept in touch through SMS. That Those were the SMSing days. And through those years, I began to hear his name whispered in my head. So it started off with just slowly but surely, Chris, Chris. But by the time, after some time, it just felt like his name was whispered all day and all night. I could just hear, Chris, 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 Chris. And I really feel, I know that the angels must have been just whispering loudly to me, helping me to get the point, get the hint, because I was praying all that time for my husband. So now fast forward to the six years. 2009, I met my husband, Chris. The second time he was really ready for me and God got us together. He had a dream he was supposed to marry me. We got together. I was discipling him and we became a really on fire team for the Lord. So let's fast forward one year. We're married now. Somebody, we're on our honeymoon. Someone gave me a book called Wild Goose Chase. So this book is really, really powerful. This book radically altered my life as it really encouraged and pushed me to take the God kind of risks. After um, each chapter, there's a question answer section, and it just helps you. It asks you questions about what your fears are, what's blocking us from pursuing God-sized dreams. And after that time, I answered those questions, and I realized I, I determined to push back those fears and take the leap of faith to begin to chase the wild goose. Like because the book was just saying the Celtic Christians call the Holy Spirit a name that meant wild goose chase, and life of the Lord should be like a wild goose chase. And that book really. Was made a powerful impact on me and, and was powerfully 
imprinted that message upon my heart and I thought, whoa, why am I allowing my fears to dictate my future? Why am I blocking, allowing my fears to block me from moving into the God things that God has for me? So during that time, I, during our honeymoon, um, I began to think of a God dream that I that had for years. For years, my sister and I were saying we wanted to backpack through Europe and as a, like a road trip, you know, an adventure. And I thought, well, why am I not doing these things that I want to do? And one of the one of the reasons that I got to was fear, you know, fear because I had a ministry at the house that I had started with my husband, and we were ministering to to addicts, helping them to come free and disciple them. And I thought, well, why don't I just trust and pass on these people we're discipling to the others, you know, in our mission community and. God's raising them up, and they'll do an excellent job. I know they will. And then the other one was finances. I was worried about the finances, and I thought, why am I letting these things block me from my God-sized dreams, you know? And so I realized, wait a minute, I'm going to walk, push past these things, and I'm going to push past the fear and do live out the God adventure that I've always wanted to do, do this thing that I've always wanted to do. So we wound up, at that time, I said, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to I said, I'm going to book my ticket and I'm going to ask Chris if he wants to join me. I knew he would want to. And we, were gonna, we invited two more friends, my sister and her boyfriend. And I said, let's get a year rail. That way we can travel all throughout Europe and let's make it a mission trip. And let's, let's evangelize and let's also make it an adventure road trip. So we wanted to go for the summer months in um, Europe. At that time, right around the time of, my, of our... Um, honeymoon somebody gave us something on a memory stick called the dht which is curry blake's he, he it's he calls it the divine healing technician and it's just for those who don't know curry blake he runs john g lake ministries it's a healing ministry they teach in a very simple way how anyone can heal the sick so that curry blake's has a really activating simple discipleship tool called the dht which you can listen to it's all over online and when you listen to that, it's like power evangelism. It just so quickly teaches how everyone can heal the sick. And that radically affected our life. So we took the knowledge of that, and we, we were so green, but we were so excited, and we took it overseas with us. So that's what we did. We booked those three months. We traveled all throughout Europe. We visited old friends that I'd had when I was in Europe in the past. And we when we didn't have any, we didn't, we didn't know what to do. We prayed for the sick wherever we saw them. We couch surfed. The Lord also opened up this amazing opportunity for us to go to um, a, a, a camp. It was like a big camp in Europe, in Germany. And it was 500 people that went to that camp. And we weren't part of organizing the camp. We were just attending the camp. But we were gutsy and we were bold, you know. We were green. <laughs> and we would grab the mic in between um, meetings, in, be in, in between, yeah, meetings. And we would say, hey, uh, we're the healing team from South Africa. If anyone needs healing or word from God, let us know. We're at bungalow number whatever bungalow we were there and we just told people let's line up outside our bungalow and we'll pray for you and Jesus wants Jesus wants you well and people began to line up outside of our bungalow and we began to pray we, we, we prayed for so many sick a lot of people got healed we got a lot of prophetic word for people it was a really exciting time and a wild goose adventure for sure so after that trip I started sharing healing testimonies on Facebook as my Facebook status and as because a lot of people began to get healed and we started getting invited to many nations to preach the gospel specifically in Europe and Asia 
We even planned one trip for six months. We went all throughout Asia and ended up in Australia. And it was so powerful and cool and exciting. We just went from one church or one village or one, you know, we ministered to the rich, to the poor. We went and, you know, in India, they would keep us late to late at night, like midnight, praying for the sick, wherever we found them, doing meetings. They would never tire of the gospel. And I remember India particularly was exhausting because the need there is so great, but it was so powerful and it was so exciting for us. And... Yeah, the Lord just, that was truly some of the highlights of our lives even until now. We got to live the adventure and just heal the sick and and preach the gospel all around the world. It was so exciting. One lady contacted me recently saying that after we prayed for her, her daughter didn't have a seizure for five years. That was really pretty cool. I just want to just point out a few um, healing testimonies, just ones that served as landmarks for me. I don't have the most amazing memory, but the ones that some specific healing testimonies really do stand out. So one of the ones that stand out was when we first um, started to understand about how any of us could heal the sick with the DHT. Um, We had our helper, our domestic worker, her name was Paulina. She had this lump the back of her head the size of a golf ball. Every time she'd come in, I would just lay my hands on her and say, in Jesus' name, I command this lump to get out, go down, be healed in Jesus' name. Prayed a very short prayer, you know. She would come in three times a week. I'd pray three times a week. But after some time, after a few weeks, I remember seeking the Lord saying, God, I don't understand. Why is this lump still there, God? It's ridiculous. I've been praying this continuously. And then I just felt God say, keep going, keeping faithful. Don't give up. So I kept going. And then suddenly I started noticing like the hard, this hard golf ball-like ball at the back of her head, it started softening and it started looking like, slowly but surely, it began to feel and look like a flated balloon. It started getting, it looked like there was air in it. It went from hard to, 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 to soft and it began to look like it was air in there instead of something. I don't know what was going on inside, but all I know is that things started getting flatter and flatter and flatter and that the balloon started, it turned into like a balloon-like thing and it began to get deflate until it was completely flattened into her head and it totally disappeared. So that was like, whoa, that was powerful. And I thought that is amazing. God, I thank you for healing her. So God completely healed her. That was one miracle. One of the reasons why, just to backtrack a little bit, why I was so passionate about healing was because, and and, and, um, how do you call it? Determined to receive healing is because I grew up as a sickly child. I was often had asthma I would be sick for weeks, sometimes longer, sometimes even a month, or perhaps even six weeks or longer. I couldn't sleep at night because I was highly asthmatic. I could hardly breathe. My parents liked to use health remedies that didn't always work. They weren't very effective. Let's put it that way. And we didn't know at the time everything we knew about healing. It was no one's fault. It was just we, they raised me to the level of their understanding. And that's why God had to give us more so that we could move past certain blockages or, or, you know, certain roadblocks that were just blocks to the level of our understanding. We had to push past them into understanding that God does want to heal today, you know, and that he's not trying to teach us a lesson through us through sickness. When I was a kid, you know, that's what I was taught. And I realized, wait a minute, that's actually not true. Because the word said that God healed everyone who was sick and oppressed of the devil because God was with him. So 
Jesus healed everyone who was sick, was sick and oppressed of the devil. And when John G. Lake got that revelation, he was like, whoa, those who are sick are oppressed of the devil? What? I don't need to accept my wife's sickness? And his wife, Jenny, got her radical deliverance from near death as God cracked open that scripture to and helped, helped him to understand it more fully. So that scripture is also very, more, very powerful for me. So when I was 13 years old, I grew out of asthma attacks. I praise God for that. But... I continued to have allergies. I had, I would seem to catch every flu that was coming around. It was such an awareness of sickness I had. And I was used to being so sickly that I often was, I would often catch things. And, and because of that, when I started becoming into healing, coming into healing, I really needed healing. So I fought for it with everything inside of me. I had developed several years before I came into understanding about John G. Lake Ministries. I began to develop a skin thing through the years of resistance, it was like my skin started itching so bad and the doctors couldn't properly diagnose it. Someone thought it could be dermatitis, but it wasn't properly diagnosed. But when I went to a homeopath, they said their best diagnosis was that my organs were sick and it spit it out onto my skin. I knew the enemy was trying to get me. The enemy was trying to destroy me. But finally, I couldn't handle it anymore. And, you know, I felt like the woman with the issue of blood spent all she had and still was none better because I had spent a lot of money on trying to get healed and I was no better. So finally, one day, I was seeking the Lord. I was every day in the bath. I just began crying out to God and saying, God, you've got to heal me. I can't take this anymore. I refuse to bring this into my future. I need healing now. Heal me now. So at the end of those three days, I got a huge breakthrough and my skin just stopped itching. My skin was radically healed, totally healed. And, and now and again, of the odd little tiny itchiness after a shower or something, I would just say, I would like literally smack my skin and say, oh, no, you don't. So that was another landmark for me where God radically healed me. When, when I got into the understanding of full understanding of healing, I was also healed of um, allergies and, and catching every flu that went around. If my throat ever happened to be itchy, I would just say to it, oh, no, you don't. And guess what? It wouldn't. So those were some radical healings that I experienced, how the Lord healed me through my personal relationship with him. And obviously, you know, we pray for a lot of people. They don't always tell us what happened. Sometimes they do tell us a lot of people were healed. Some people weren't healed. And at times that affected me. And I felt like, God, you're a real God. You're not a counterfeit. So... If you say you heal, then you've got to heal every time. I don't want to leave people come to me for healing. I know you're the healer, but I can't stand to see people not receiving their healing. You heal everyone, God. You heal everyone. But I've learned also that I have to keep pursuing healing no matter what I experience or don't experience. I can't be moved or shaken by what I don't see. So I wanted to share a quick story that happened with Jason the other day, which was um, our son Jason... Uh, he stepped on a nail and the nail was rusty. He didn't really tell me about it. He was swimming all day. By the time the evening came, he had told me he was, it was, his foot was hurting, but I didn't think much of it. I didn't really know all the details, but in the middle of the night, he woke up and he said he couldn't sleep because his foot was hurting. When I looked at the wound, it was full of dirt, which was weird because he was swimming all day. But my sons love to um, run around free in the African you know, on the African ground, and I saw that dirt was in inside of the wound. So I felt like getting worried because my daughter once stepped on a nail and she had to have surgery when she was small, but I said, no, I know better now. I'm not going to get into worry or fear about this. So I cleaned it. I put some 
I put some disinfectant on it. I put a plaster band-aid on it. We prayed for it, commanded it to be well. He slept, fell asleep in our bed. Then I carried him to his bed. And I just said, no, God, this is going to be well. It's going to be perfect. And I entered into the peace and rest of God, and I remained there. The next day, he did, still couldn't lean on it properly, but it looked a lot better from the, from the night before. I said, I'm going to keep him home for observation because I wanted to pray for that foot to be completely healed. So I kept him home, and I would come to him every so often, lift up his little foot off the couch, and I would speak to that foot, say, foot, you be healed right now. You be radically healed. God wants you well in the name of Jesus. The prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise him up. In Jesus' name, be healed. Pray a little prayer like that. Whenever I could, I'd come, lift up his little foot, speak to it. Every time I would speak to it, I'd tell him, walk on that foot now. He'd walk on the foot, and every time he could walk a little better, a little better, a little better, till finally after fourth, fifth time, he was completely healed. And I said, so how is it feeling? Is it completely healed? He was like, of course. It was completely healed. And so the Lord healed, and we praise God for that. It was just so encouraging to see that Jesus loves to heal. It's always God's will to heal. So yeah, I wanted to share with you guys some quick stories and testimonies about healing and how God, just my journey of healing with the Lord and some of the awesome and powerful landmarks that I've had in my life and times that God came through for me and proved that Christ alone is the healer. God bless you. Bye-bye.